The Data Reaper podcast is a companion which provides extra insight into the weekly report found at ViciousSyndicate.com. Join us for a deeper dive into the numbers to help you improve your Hearthstone game. Hello and welcome back to episode 147 of the Data Reaper podcast. I am Corbett and joining us again after a brief hiatus, it's Dart Throw Zacho. How you doing, Zach? How you doing, Corb? Um... We are back to regular programming. Uh, I took a month uh, hiatus. Uh, those who follow me on Twitter know why. Um, I just couldn't. Uh, to everyone who doesn't know, I live in Israel. Uh, we have this shitty war thing going on. Uh, there was a tragedy uh, in October 7th. I felt it was highly inappropriate and just I was just very uncomfortable uh, happily talking about car games while that was going on. Uh, also, uh, the Internet is garbage uh, when it comes to this conflict. It's terrible. So much hate. I just wanted to step away, um, distance myself from all of that. I pretty much only stayed active on uh, our, dis- our Discord server, uh, which is like a safe space. And I just took some time off. Uh, but, you know, you at some point you have to come back. Um, and and yeah, that's that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to get into any politics or any garbage uh, related to that. But war sucks. Uh, it sucks for everyone. And yeah, so uh, stop hating uh, people, other people that you don't even know. That's all I'm going to say. We're very happy to have you back, Zach. And um, obviously, you know, this is a place now where we can talk about something silly, like a Hearthstone card game, and kind of be a light distraction and some entertainment and kind of get into what we usually do. So I'm very, very happy that you're back. Um, I'm sure the listeners are as well. Um, And I, you know, just hope that you are all right in your personal situation um, with everything going on. But yeah, very happy to be here with you again. Yeah, and I'm happy to to be back too. Though uh, obviously, um, I'm still like obviously there are like rocket sirens every day and stuff like that. Though I do feel I am safe relatively. Uh, I'm not near a war zone or anything like that. So my life is relatively normal. Um, uh, so yeah, um, what. We're going to do this episode is we're going to talk. We had, obviously, we had a meta over the last month. We had some Druid troubles and stuff like that. And Druid got nerfed. And now Enrage Warrior is kind of busted. And this is how, like, the expansion is closing out. Uh, But this podcast is going to be about um, discussing the new set. We have the entire set revealed. And we're going to talk class by class. We're not going to go card by card, but we're going to talk about our impressions of each class class set. But before we do that, um, I do want to talk about something else entirely, uh, which is an ad. I have an ad uh, to record in the podcast. And this is the first time I ever do an ad in the podcast. Uh, and there's a good reason for it. I am very, very picky when it comes to ads. And this specific application uh, that I'm advocating for here 
is genuinely something that I think people uh, in the Hearthstone community should know about. I think it's generally relevant uh, for our listeners and like-minded individuals who are pretty, let's say, competitive uh, in Hearthstone. And what I want to talk about is an application called Mobius. Uh, you may have heard about it. Um, this application has already done some tournaments in the Hearthstone community through uh, some well-known content creators. Uh, but uh, it, it's something that I strongly feel uh, should be more well-known. So what is Mobius? Uh, Mobius is a application, a platform that offers daily automated Hearthstone tournaments. Uh, of all sizes, formats, skill levels. Uh, there's basically always a Hearthstone tournament to join. You go into the app. There's there's a bunch of tournaments that you can sign up for and you can play it. You can also play with friends. Um, and it, it's pretty much for all skill levels. Um, now, the big thing about this Mobius application is that it acts sort of like a deck tracker for tournament tracking. Uh, every... All the tournament tracking is completely automated and integrated uh, with Discord. Um, so you can you register through the app. Uh, the brackets are set up by the app. The bands are set up to the app. Like you do Conquest Best of whatever. There's a ban. It, it goes through the Mobius app. Uh, uh, all you need to do when you sign up for a Mobius tournament is just to play. Right? You don't need to do anything else. Uh, people who have, you know competing in Hearthstone tournaments, know what it's like to, uh, in the past, how to compete in tournaments. You need to screenshot your victory screen and you send it to an admin and you need to talk about the admin and there's all sorts of queue order mess ups and you have to consult. No, this app completely automates all that annoying part of Hearthstone tournaments for those who know. Um, and in addition to that, you can win card packs. You can win cash. You can cash out uh, your winnings uh, through the app. Uh, so it's a, it's an app where you can sign up for tournaments, compete for fun, or also for prizes. Uh, now, the other thing about Mobius right now that's quite relevant is that you can also buy your shadow, your showdown in the Badlands uh, bundles through the app. And the Mobius store has uh, some a really nice promotion where you can buy the mega bundle of the expansion, the upcoming mini set, and 20 Mobius coins, which is like the currency of the app for like a 25% discount. So if you're looking to buy the mega bundle and you're interested in trying out this app, maybe consider uh, um, get, buying uh, this, this bundle on a, on a big discount. So why is the Mobius app, I think, is very important? Uh, because it's a great way to set up tournaments uh, between communities. And, you know, we know about Hearthstone Esports and where that might be headed. I'm hoping that, I'm really, really hoping that they keep Hearthstone Esports alive. I think there's a very good reason that they should do that. But in addition to that, uh, Mobius can genuinely act as a good platform for third-party tournaments. Um, so uh, 
it's a very, very convenient way of setting up third-party uh, tournaments so that we can continue to enjoy Hearthstone tournaments, hopefully in addition to the official Blizzard uh, program. Hopefully that stays alive. Um, so that's what I wanted to say. We are also going, in addition to that, we are also going to do, in the first week of the expansion, after the expansion launches, after Shadowlands of the Badlands launches, we're going to do an in-house Vicious Syndicate tournament in the Mobius app for gold and patron subscribers. I'll we'll finalize uh, a date for when that tournament occurs, but you can expect it probably on the weekend after the expansion is launched. Uh, it's going to have prizes. So if you're a gold or patron subscriber or you want to sign up, there's an opportunity to play in a, in a cool, a vicious syndicate sponsored tournament. Um, so yeah, so check out Mobius. There's a, we're, we're going to have a link, uh, to sign up to Mobius in, on our website where we publish, uh, the podcast episode. So click the link, sign up, try it out. No commitment. Uh, just see what it's like. I think it's quite relevant for a lot of people who listen to the show and in general, the Hearthstone community. Uh, that's what I had to say about Mobius and let's go into the shadow <laughs> showdown, Zach. That's three times now. I keep saying shadow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The showdown in the Badlands. I don't know why I keep saying, uh, shadow. I'm pretty sure it's because of a past expansion, uh, rise of shadows. It keeps, uh, screwing with me anyway. Um, Yeah. Corb, we have a, a, an expansion set. I think we should go alphabetically. Makes sense to me. Um, yeah. Um, and again, not we're not going to talk type card by card, but just impressions. So you're looking at the Death Knight set. What is your impression of the Death Knight set? What do you think about it? What What is the highlight of the set? Well, again, most of my like thinking is obviously... It's always wild first. Uh, so when it comes to standard, I, I am going to have to lean on you a little bit about, you know, like where you think it's headed. But I, I mean, in terms of just general card evaluation, you know, I feel like I can do that. We've been doing this for a few years now. Um, <laughs> my general impression on the Death Knight set is that it seems quite good. Uh, I think it got some of the better excavate stuff, um, you know, in, in the expansion as a whole. Uh, I obviously really like how the rat interacts with Reska. The pit boss, that seems like uh, obviously a very intentional, but uh, very, very strong uh, payoff and synergy there. So I really like uh, the Death Knight set in general. I am a touch concerned uh, about the runes as we keep going uh, expansion by expansion. But um, I know we've kind of had a lot of dialogue about that in the past, but I am concerned maybe about the rune requirements and the mixing and whether we might see something similar happen down the road with what we saw with the play cards like maybe a couple things kind of lose a requirement or two but um overall i like the the death knight set uh quite a bit yeah i think i kind of agree with you i think death knight got really good excavate package i think the excavate card report what you sow and especially skeleton crew are quite quite good unless um enthusiastic about the secondary payoffs of the death knight package the pile of bones it's okay so is the heroin ox i think the heroin ox has some potential uh um to do some some neat things with 
Uh, but in general, the Azerite Rat, I, I like that you can plan for it. Like, for example, with Reska, there are other stuff. For example, uh, Blightbore from Cagehead is a 9-mana minion, and I'm quite interested in resurrecting Blightbore with uh, mm. the Azerite Rat. I think that that could be something um, really cool. I do think when it comes to standalone cards, uh, crop rotation, probably the standout of the set, uh, the three-mana spell that summons four... 1-1 one, one Undead with Rush that die at the end of the turn. I think that card's going to be really important for a lot of Deathline decks going forward. In Corpse Farm, uh, which is a 3-mana uh, spell that spends up to 8 corpses to summon a random minion of that cost, I think this is probably the best Corpse Spender for a Rainbow Death Knight, which seems to be what um, Team 5 are pushing with the set. Uh, a lot of rainbow potential cards. And this one is really important because Rainbow Death Knight uh, did not have the best Corpse Spenders up until now. And Corpse Farm really helps with that. And I will add to your discussion of, of runes. I think that cards with different runes requirements, like Unholy Blood, Unholy Frost, whatever... Uh, this uh, multi-rune condition, I, I don't like it. I think uh, when you look at Fistful of Corpses and Ma and Pa, those cards are pretty good cards. But I don't understand why they couldn't be just single blood cards. Yeah. Uh, like, would it kill Would it kill you to give something new to blood control death knight? It's not even a good deck. Just give it something. Like, is it, is it, that big of a deal if they had access to these cards i don't think it would i think it would be exciting for them to have these cards but it seems like team five you know print uh, you know released the death and expansion with powerful triple rune payoffs to establish the identity of of the runes and and the identity of the class right and it's understandable that they were powerful but now they're kind of trying to force you off of those rooms and they're not forcing you off of those rooms by printing you know other good cards they're just printing these good cards and they put restriction on them to prevent them from seeing play so what ends up happening in practice is that the class just stagnates and if the archetype doesn't work out where they print multi-rune requirement for then these cards are just dead so like Mind Paw and Fistful Corpses are pretty good cards, but if Rainbow Death Knight does not pan out, then these cards are just going to sit in the collection and do nothing. Uh, and and again, if there's a way, like if those cards were single blood runes, I really don't think that it would be that big of a deal. Does the fact that Blood Death Knight, Blood Control, gets a couple of new cards to use means that Rainbow Death Knight cannot succeed? They still have access to those cards if they want to. So, so why are all these heavy restrictions? It just seems like it really promotes, like it really causes Death Knight to stagnate because all of its archetypes just, like it's enough that you need to print for three different rune requirements, right? You need to print for Frost, you need to print cards for Unholy, and you need to print cards for Blood. But when you do these double restrictions, you're even printing things for even less, like, there's even less of a window. There's even less space for strategies to pick up those cards and use them. So I really don't like multi-rune restrictions. And the reason 
that I think that needs to be accepted that the reason why triple runes are popular is because the payoffs, the triple payoffs, are just really, really powerful. And when they rotate out, maybe it wouldn't be as much of an issue. But Fistful Corpses and Monpa specifically annoy me because they should be single uh, blood cards and it wouldn't be a big deal if they were. Uh, but other than that, Excavate is cool. It's fine. We'll see if that works out. I think the reward could be powerful. Um, but the other stuff, the rainbow stuff, I'm less less sure about, obviously. Um, yeah, so the Death Knight set, I think it's a decent set. It's not one of the best sets in my opinion, uh, but, it, but it's, a, it's a decent set. When it comes to Demon Hunter, Corb, mm -hmm. I know you you like Demon Hunter. Uh, I think this the Demon Hunter set is more exciting or more powerful uh, to me. Um, I look there are two standouts. One is the Naga archetype, uh, blind eye sharpshooter. I think has potential to be totally nuts. I made a deck list for it. It's going to be in a theory crafting article. Remember, we have a pre comprehensive preview coming up uh, this weekend and a theory crafting article is going to be published a day before the expansions launch, likely. And one of the standout theory crafts, in my opinion, and I'm going to test that in the theory crafting stream as well this week, is Blind Eye Sharpshooter and Naga Demon Hunter. I think that deck has massive potential to just blow out opponents in spectacular fashion with so much damage from hand um the, the thing about sharpshooter is that it's very similar it's similar to spiteless siren in a way but it's not it doesn't have the mana cheating aspect but it's a it's a three mana auctioneer that damages while it draws cards it's it's insane this card is absolutely insane and I expect to see a lot. I see. I expect it to see a lot of play. The other standout is Gunslinger Curtis, which is the Highlander Demon Hunter payoff. I think this is probably the most versatile disruption card they've ever made. Uh, you look at you know things like Dirty Rat and Theotar. They are single target disruption. With Theotar, like if you're trying to disrupt an opponent's win condition, you either get it or you don't. Right, like the, like let's say they have a full hand. You play Theotar. Sometimes you have a one in three chance to get it. Get that card that ruins your opponent's game plan. You either get it or you don't. With Curtis, it's much more well rounded because it's good against aggro. <laughs> this card is generally good against aggro. Uh, a lot of disruption cards are bad against aggro, but Curtis, you play it on turn five, you obliterate the opponent's hand. Like, think you're playing an aggro deck, you're playing a lot of small minions, right? With health totals that shouldn't be that big. Kurtris can just obliterate their hand and just stop their ability to reload the board. Um, Kurtris is also good against win conditions, especially, like, for example, Control Warrior runs a package of minions, like a small package of minions. Not a lot, so it can still hit the Odin four times and take, take it out of the game. Um, it just, it's just extremely powerful. Uh, it's a card that is just good in any, every matchup. Like, I think the only matchups where Kurtris is not going to be good is like minion dense deck, but not fast ones, like slow minion dense deck with a lot of health, right? Then Kurtris is going to be less effective, but the card seems nuts to me. 
Yeah, I, I think it's one of the standouts. Uh, Highlander support cards for sure. Really, really like it. And yeah, the um, the sharpshooters kind of like I think you were saying auctioneer. The the comparison that I was thinking was it's like a Luna and a Flame Waker combined into one card, which is um, really quite something. It's a field contact that deals damage. It's just it's just so it's, nutty. It's very sick. Um, the other two cards that really stood out to me uh, were Bartender Bot. Um, it seems very solid. Like it seems like I like the aggressive stat line in particular in Demon Hunter. Um, that three attack and able to you know being able to get in there and do some stuff. Uh, I like that a lot. And also Parched Desperado. Like this card is kind of broken. Like. I think the two mana three two naga your if you've cast a spell while holding it gives you hero plus three attack that seems really good to me compared to like a defy slepper which was uh quite a decent card as well yeah i mean it's really easy to activate and it's so efficient like two mana two three two that deals three it's like i'm a div valet um but it's easier to activate yeah bob i love bob Bartendo Bot, I love that card. Oh, Bob. Uh, oh, we're calling him Bob. I love that. Yeah, perfect. It is Bob. It's intentionally made a Bob. You've, <laughs> you've just had a spider moment. I did. I did. I really did. Yeah. You just had a spider moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, Bob is Bob is great. And I, I'm really curious about a package of Bob and Midnight Wolf in a non-outcast deck. Mm. Where you just play Bob... And Midnight Wolf, and those are the only Outcast-related cards in your deck. So you can get Midnight Wolf, uh, which is it's a six mana six six rush uh, beast that on Outcast summons a copy of itself, right? So it's twelve twelve in rush, but it's a six mana Outcast card, which can be really awkward. However, Bob makes it easier, so I really like that idea. Uh, and also, I really like Fandahammer and Pocket Sand. I think those two cards might be really good in Relic Demon Hunter and offer that archetype of board damage, which it currently does not really possess. Uh, and Fandahammer is really good with Jotun. Like, imagine you get Jotun. You play Jotun, you get Fandahammer. Yeah, like, that's a lot of damage. And it goes face, so I really like it. So, I, yeah, I think the Demon Hunter set is really strong. Um, yeah, yeah, I, it's got I agree. Support for a lot of archetypes. It's a big difference from like the Titans uh, set, which was just complete dud. This set is a lot more exciting, though. I suspect we're gonna hear some complaints about Blind Knight Sharpshooter <laughs> before long. Uh, that card is just gonna be nutty. I think uh, that that card has a lot of potential. Uh, and once people are fi fi figure out the deck building aspect, which I tried then that card may have like insane potential to just end games. Uh, so Demon Hunter, really cool set. Really like it. Really flavorful. Uh, looks a lot of fun. Druid. Druid uh, caused some problems for us in, over the last month. Got nuked. But I, I think Druid's just going to be okay this expansion. <laughs> because yeah. uh, the, this, this Druid set is nuts. It's insane. The Dragon Druid archetype looks so strong. It's got so many materials of a super powerful archetype. Uh, Splish Blast Whelp. Oh, we're just going to have a 2 mana 2 one that casts Wild Growth uh, just like that. Or Desert a nest, ma nest Matron, which is just a free taunt. A free sentient. 
every time you get to like you have four mana or more to spend you can play this for free uh pretty much in order to stabilize uh dragon golem the seven mana uh three four taunt that summons a copy of this for each dragon in your hand this card is the scale of anixia of the set that that's my hot take this card is scale of anixia because yeah it's not rush it's taunt but it's a lot of stats potentially in a dragon centric deck and it serves a similar role of turning the corner in faster matchups but what's more what it also does like if you're playing let's say you're not playing highlander Dra uh, druid i think highlander druid is going to be popular but let's say you play just dragon druid you can this is carnival clown this is a carnival clown level card uh you can you can lure them our theron and get it right like with with a with bigger stats you can play take to the skies and buff it you can bounce it i thought about bouncing it there's a brewmaster that buffs in this set oh yeah like uh you have a uh, uh saloon brewmaster which is a neutral it's a two mana two two with battle cry return a minion to your hand just like youthful brewmaster but give it plus two plus two so you play golem you bounce one of the copies and you can replay them next turn. It's like you have wave after wave of Dragon Golems. Even in slower matchups, that card could be useful. Uh, and, you know, Rehydrate. Oh, we're just going to get a zero mana Restore 7 Alpha Druid. Pretty much this is what this card reads. Uh, or Cactus Construct, which is such a good early game play. One mana spell, discover a two-cost minion, summon a one-two copy of it. So you get a turn one play, but you also have a turn two play. And sometimes, you know, there's a lot of death rattles in the two mana slot. So you can just get a really high value one drop on turn one, play this on turn two. It's also a nature spell for top here. This card is going to be played in every druid deck. Like there's not a single druid deck that's not going to play that card. Um, and then you have the, the legendaries, right? We start like Fi, Fi, I'm guessing Fi is the way you pronounce uh her name mm -hmm. uh the setting sun nine mana four twelve uh rush lifesteal taunt costs one less for each dragon you've summoned this game each dragon you've summoned so if you play go dragon golem that fills the board you discount five by seven mana or if you play top year and play a bunch of nature spells and summon the the whelps that also discounts five so five is basically zero mana four twelve Rush, Lifesteal, Taunt. That's what it's going to be. That's what you're going to know. When you're playing against Druid, that card is going to cost zero mana. Pretty much every time it comes down. Uh, which is huge. Again, for... Druid is as good... Like, ramping Druid decks are as good as their ability to soak aggression. Like, deal with aggression, ability to turn the corner. So cards like Dragon Golem, cards like Fight, cards like Desert Miss Matron, are exactly that kind of th those kind of cards that help you swing the game, and then we've got Restraza, which is the Highlander payoff, which is an eight mana eight eight, and the battle cry is if your deck has no duplicates, summon the Purified Dragonest, which is a dormant non-interactable uh, card on the board, that at the start of your turn discover a dragon. It costs four less, so. It's a big value engine. 
it also over time helps you get ahead, right? Because you just keep playing this counter dragons. And it's also kind of a very grindy win condition because a lot of the late game dragons are kind of win conditions by themselves. So if you discover them, that's pretty powerful. And yeah, uh, Druid just looks really, really good. Um, I think both Dragon Druid without Highlander payoff or Highlander Druid look very promising to me. Yeah, I adore the Druid set. It's probably my favorite set of this expansion. Like, very exciting stuff. Um, both of this because, like, the cards are very good and powerful, but I also have a soft spot for Dragon cards. You know, I always like them uh, being around. So I think that the, the really neat thing, I think, about this set for Druid uh, with all the Dragon stuff is that while there are just a lot of things about dragons, it's kind of pushing multiple different directions that you can go in at once. Uh, like you obviously have the Highlander payoff being a dragon, so it leans into that dragon Highlander stuff. But you could play the minion dense dragon deck with Golem uh, and like play a a, a a very very minion mid rangey type uh, type deck like that, or you know, even with a card like Take to the Skies, we didn't talk about that one. The uh, the three mana draw two dragons, give them plus one, plus one. I think that that card could actually be quite solid in a deck that plays a more, um, you know, a more narrow dragon package where you kind of are tutoring more specific stuff. Like if you're very likely to get Nest Matron uh, off the draw, then that really mitigates some of that tempo loss. Um and you know you get like four mana, a zero mana, four six taunt as the natural follow up to the to the arcane intellect. So I think it's awesome. Like I think you can build this druid stuff in a multiple different directions. I love it. I think it's really exciting. Um, and it alleviates a lot of the concerns that I had from the last patch that we got with druid, where they really went for druid's throat with the um the embrace of nature and rake nerves uh and you know we've seen the result of that with ramp druid kind of falling uh into you know tier 18 territory uh, but i'm hopeful now that we got this set that druid is going to be able to revive and uh you know really explore some new exciting archetypes so i adore it i love it um awesome set i think I kind of understand why they nuked Druid so hard in context, because they were like, ah, oh, Druid's going to be fine. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, like, Druid, Druid's going to be fine. Like, it looks really, really good. Uh, I think Druid is, might be the best set. Uh, it, it's it's a close call. We'll see. We'll see how I call it. Um, yeah, Hunter. Um, Hunter, I'm like, I'm not sure about the Hunter set. There's some, some things are really neat but some things i'm uh, more suspicious uh over i think one of the things that is clearly being supported is like a hand buff hunter deck where you have multiple cards uh that become more powerful if you buff them right you have uh you have bovine uh skeleton which is a three mana three three with a death rattle if this has four attack four more attack Summon a bovine skeleton. So this card, you buff it in hand or like, I don't know, with a banana. And when it dies, it summons another bovine skeleton. And if the opponent doesn't clear that bovine skeleton, you can buff it again. And again, it's going to st stick to the board. So the idea is uh, buff stuff and and get, get the payoff, uh, get significantly more payoff. There was a card in the last mini set which is uh, Twisted Frostwing, 
that is very similar where it scales with buffed attacks. Uh, in addition, you've got the legendary two legendaries. One is the Highlander payoff, but we'll get to that later. But the Spurfang legendary, which is a 5-mana 2-5, Battlecry and Death Rattle summon a random beast with cost equal to this minion's attack. So again, you want a buff attack, like a deck that runs bestial madness uh, from the last set is something that this set seems to be promoting. And you've got Messenger Buzzard, which is a two mana, one, two, death rattle, draw beast, give minions in your hand, plus one, plus one. Pretty much a death rattle version of Alliance Bannerman which was a very powerful Paladin card. It was a battle cry, which is better, but it was it cost three mana. This one cost two. So this is what it seems to be promoting. My issue with this potential archetype is that it's kind of slow. You need to set it up and you play stats uh, and you hope that's enough, right? You don't have like late game lethality. I'm not sure about the late game lethality here. It just seems to be about producing more and more overwhelming stats and kind of hoping that that carries you through. Um, so it's kind of interesting, but I'm not completely sold on it. Um, but there are some powerful individual cards that I think fit a Highlander archetype really well because Hunter did get, uh, is a Highlander class uh, for this expansion. Um, especially a standout for me is Camouflage Mount. It's a four mana spell. Give a minion plus three plus three and a random bonus effect. This is one of the eight bonus effects uh, that you can get from one amalgam band. When it dies, summon a chameleon. And the chameleon is a three three that also has that same bonus effect that you get. So it's four mana, six, six stats, and two bonus keywords, which is, this is a lot of stats, Corp. Oh yeah. Like, can you, you have a minion in play, you play camouflage mount, and you have like a body that's like irremovable. It's so difficult to deal with. And sometimes you just get a keyword that just wins you the game. Like imagine you get a wind fury with this, or you get a divine shield or a reborn. It's so hard to clear. So I think mount is a card that you can definitely build around, and it's quite dangerous to leave up a minion in play with the Hunter to buff with this, because it's so hard to deal with after. Uh, another card that's like just good by itself is Sneaky Snakes, which is a one mana spell. Summon two one one snakes with stealth. And almost every one mana card that summons two one ones in the past has seen play. And this one summons two one ones with stealth. So you can't even clear them. Like the opponent cannot clear them on their turn, pretty much on turn one. Nobody's going to clear your snakes. So you're guaranteed to have bodies on board, which is very neat. Uh, and then you've got, you know, Thildering the Lost, which is the Highlander payoff, which is a four mana, three, four battle cry. If your deck has no duplicates, gain immune this turn and attack all enemies. So again, the higher the attack, the better. Uh, this card, I think, fits a Highlander, like Hound Hunter archetype really well. If you look at Hound Hunter right now, it's almost a singleton, singleton deck already. So I think that's a good fit for it, for it to transition into a Highlander deck. And this card with Hope of Quel'Thalas, with Lord of the Martharen, becomes really, really nutty. It becomes an Olgra, pretty much, after you buff it. 
and it goes face. And I like cards that go face corp. Uh, they're pretty strong. Yeah, agreed. Uh, th- those four cards, I think, are definitely the standalone standouts. And um, yeah, I mean, that's what you want. You just want good quality Hearthstone stuff uh, for your Highlander archetype. And, you know, uh, Hound Hunter already very much leaning in that direction. Um, so yeah, uh, kind of a little bit of a hard set to sort of judge collectively a little bit. But um, because I think it did get like four really good cards and then i'm not really as sold on this whole hand buffing mechanic on the whole um i do like that messenger buzzard card though i do like i do like a two matter version of a lights banner man so yeah I, I think hunter very much poised to be one of the best if not the best highlander archetype but maybe maybe that's too early of a call maybe i'll change my mind by the end of this review yeah i think i mean highlander like Highlander archetypes usually are very good when they have a lot of generically good cards and Hunter kind of sits in that spot and also has like packages like you've seen uh, in the last report they're running Thunderbringer with Ragnaros Mm. and Neptalon and actually works really well so uh, they have Hunter has a lot of potential late game and pretty much all it needed is like a Highlander payoff that helps it survive and this is what Thelduin does Uh, it's a really good pseudo AoE uh, kind of comeback card and that's really helpful for hunter more so than if the highlander payoff was like a win condition i think that would be less uh fitting with what else it has available to it so that that card is really really helpful and yeah highlander hunter overall i really like the highlander archetype potentially i think that could be really powerful but the hind buff stuff i'm less sure about um on to mage the mage set corb yeah. Is garbage. Yeah, I agree. This set, I think this set is garbage. It's not because the cards are bad. It's because it's just all over the place. It's not coherent. And I don't understand a lot of why these cards are here. Like, when I say not coherent, overflow surger. This is a sing like one card that goes into elemental mage. There's no other elemental mage support. There's some support in the neutral set. The legendary elemental is not even good in elemental mage. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Why is it? Why is this card here? Why do you make a secret called Azerite Vein? This is the most elaborate secret I've ever seen, Corb. This 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 secret activates. Listen, this secret activates when the enemy plays the card on the turn that it entered their hand. If they do that, you get a copy of it. Also, you need to call Domino's Pizza and order a large pepperoni, okay? You need to order a large pepperoni and open the door and give him a, give the deliverer a, a tip. If you do that, the secret activates. Why is this so... What is this card doing here? Uh, it's just... It, it's so bad. Also, the excavate cards of Mage, probably the worst ones. Like, none of the excavate cards are truly bad. But Cryo Preservation depresses me. Two mana for a freeze and excavate is a little bit... Now, I understand at one mana, this card would be really, really good. At one mana, absolutely, this card's really good. But at two mana, this card sucks. And I'd rather just just go with the really good and nerf it later if it sucks. Why are you making a two mana freeze? It's just so... The, The only good thing about it is you can freeze face... So two mana, turn two, you have nothing else to do. You can freeze face and get the excavate. Uh, but it's just, you're not going to feel happy about it. 
And Blasmage Minor, Minor, which is a, the other Mixcavate card, is a six mana card. Yes, it, it deals damage, and you can think of it as a Marrow Manipulator. But when we're excavating, we want our excavate cards to be, you know, as cheap as possible so we can progress and get to the payoff. And this card is slow. And this card also, for you to use it, you need to have a sizable hand. You, have, you need to have a big hand. If you don't have a big hand, then this card is a six mana four four that kind of like fizzles a little bit of damage. Um, it just uh, soul sunset volley ten mana spell. Yeah, it's great. But do we have ways to? Does a big spell archetype have enough support to? Because ten mana spells don't see play unless you cheat them out, right? Do we have ways? To cheat, we don't have a Belinda. Millhouse Mana Storm costs eight mana. Barbaric Sources is still in the sad, but Barbaric Sources alone, I don't think is good enough to make Big Spell Mage work. So this single card that that just doesn't doesn't really fit with anything else that the set has to offer. It's like they it's like they printed some cards and they said, oh, we we, we have space to fill up. So let's throw these cards in randomly. They're not doing that. I'm not saying they did that, but this is what it feels like, right? Like these cards don't talk to each other at all. And and then my least favorite card in the set for number one, Zacho's most hated card. I'm going to sound silly when it ends up being played, but um, the four mana legendary, Tathalan Bloodwatcher, which is a four mana two five, Cards that didn't start in your deck cost four less, but not less than one. This card is Arcane Luminary. There was a card like that. The discount is more significant, but it's more expensive than Arcane Luminary. Arcane Luminary was a three-mana card. And, you know, they revealed this card, and then, you know, <laughs> some of the usual suspects, oh, Team 5 learned from the mistakes that card shouldn't cost zero. Well... What happens is that this card is just not going to be played because it sucks. So, uh, I'm saying cards can cause zero. There are some situations where cards cause zero become a problem, but there is no fundamental issue with cards costing zero. If if Tathalin was broken as a zero mana discounter, if the, if not less than one is too much of an important text where if you take it off and this card is broken, then don't print it. Then don't make this card. Don't waste a legendary slot on this card. Instead, you're making this card that has such a big cap on its potential and it's not even good. Like, it's not even worth running. Like, to cheat out one spell, you need five mana. To cheat out two spells, you need six mana. I don't see how this works. Like, I, I don't see how this card is worth putting in the deck. Uh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not seeing a bigger picture. I do. I did, Corb, I do have, it's a secret one. But I do have one application for this legendary that that you might try uh, in the theory crafting article. But that's it. I, I see no reason to ever play this card. And yeah, the set is disappointing. I just don't, I just don't like the main set at all. I think it's the worst one. Yeah, I I agree. Uh, it's definitely the one that I'm the lowest on. Um, going back to that cryo preservation, it, it kind of reminds me of like Galacron Invokes was sort of priced at about one mana, um, like 
for the most part. And it reminds me of like the Shaman one, like the, that was Freezing Enemy that came out at one mana. Eventually, like it was too good. It got nerfed to two. But, you know, it's always fun to start off with the more powerful version of the card and then turn it down from there, I think. So like if this was one mana, I wouldn't exactly be losing my mind because two mana Freezing Enemy, that's, that's not great. Yeah, I mean, just make it one mana if it's the if the archetype ends up be, if excavate mage ends up being too strong. Like it's not like the Azerite uh, ha- uh, hawk, which mm-hmm. is the which is the major tier four treasure. It's not even it's not even like a super intimidating treasure. It's it's a four mana five five that battlecry get, get a random titan. It costs one. This is basically a horn of the ancient from Queen Ajara. But it's you get it later in the game, right? It's better than Ajara, okay? But part of the reason why Ajara is good is that you can play it very early on and just scam your opponent with a Colossal. Mage Excavation is going to be slow because one of your cards costs six mana. You're not going to get the Azerite Hot very, very fast. So even the payoff of the Excavation is not that good. Now, Excavating, you get good cards from it. So like... If Cryoperseverance was one mana, it's definitely a very good card. But isn't it better to just print a good card in its good version and make people excited about it? And, you know, there's a good chance that make Excavate Mage is not broken and then you don't need to nerf anything. Instead, they make it two mana and it's like, oh, I don't want to play this. This doesn't feel good. Uh, so, yeah, uh, that's kind of disappointing. So there we have it, guys. Uh, Excavate Mage is now the mech rogue of the set, where it's actually going to be tier yeah. one, because you and I have complained about it and said that it needs to be buffed. Secret Excavate Mage, day one of the expansion, Reliquary Researcher and Contrant Conjurer is going to end up being a broken combo, and we're going to have eggs on our faces. Again. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. But, but yeah, we keep, we keep talking about this mech rogue thing, but there were plenty of things. Well, you things that were said that, that I was right about. Do you remember how people thought that, like, in Festival, Bounce Around was going to be this broken thing? Like, everyone was so hyped about Bounce Around. And I'm telling people, oh, you know, Bounce Around is actually an unplayable card. Uh, and yeah, it turned out to be an unplayable card. But good thing we can't discover it with School Teacher. Um, yeah. So yeah, Mage sucks. Um, I don't like the set. It's probably bad. Uh, the Mesodune is kind of interesting in the sense that you can, it's not good for elemental mage. You're not going to play it in elemental mage, but you can play Mesodune, Rag, and Neptulon, kind of like you do for Thunderbringer and just try to scam your opponent. It's kind of a package by itself. You don't need to do anything. It doesn't require any other synergy. You just play those three cards. And maybe that's good. It does beg the question, though, Zach. Is it just better than playing Thunderbringer? I mean, it better be, because it's a class-specific uh, legendary. It better be. What do you... <laughs> like, it <laughs> has to be. Like, imagine it wasn't. Like, how depressing it is. Obviously, it's better, because it's six mana. You play it. You can play a Neptulon. It's a smaller Neptulon, but it's still a Neptulon. It's got the hands. The hands are the same size. Uh, the fist of Neptulon, or whatever that's called. Um, you can you can do some stuff here. You can play a couple of rags, two rags, for four mana. It's pretty good. It can be reach if you're having if you're facing an empty board. Can be a lot of damage. Like this card's not bad. 
it's just that it just doesn't talk to the rest of the set. Like, I feel like the main set feels disconnected. That's my main criticism of it. Okay. Paladin. Um, Paladin's got some powerful stuff. It also got some very questionable stuff. It's it's weird, man. It's there. There's some weird stuff going on in this class that made me double take. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of interesting things. Well, first of all, Hi Ho Sylvan Wing, which is that's a fantastic name for a card. This card just goes into every Paladin deck. Two mana, two one, Divine Shield, Death Rattle, Draw Holy Spell. This is Knight of Anointment level card. Like, you're just going to play in every Paladin deck. And every Paladin deck is going to run a small package of Holy Spell. Guaranteed. It's a dragon. I don't know why it's a dragon, but I don't mind it. And it's nutty. This card is insane. Like, you're going to play it in every Paladin deck. Another card that's really good, I think, specifically with Keeper Strength, is Holy Cowboy, which is a 3-mana 4-3. Battlecry, your next Holy Spell costs 2 less. Whenever. Not this turn. Whenever. So you play Holy Cowboy... You can set up Keeper Strength later. You can play Holy Cowboy Keeper Strength on the same turn, on turn 6, and you clear the board while developing a 6-5. Pretty powerful. Um, here's the thing that's weird to me. Prismatic Beam, 7 mana, deal 3 damage to all enemies, costs 1 less for each enemy minion. This, this is a powerful AoE. Like, if your opponent has 3 minions in play, this costs 4, it deals three damage only to enemies. Only to enemies. It's one-sided. So it's quite powerful. Uh, it's a comeback card. It's an AoE for Paladin. I think that's a big deal. Paladin usually struggles to... Struggles when it's the one getting swarmed. Right? So that's, that has a lot of potential. In addition to that, there's Showdown. Which is one of the weirdest cards in the set. It's a two-mana spell... That summons three, three, three outlaws for both players, and yours get rush. So the idea, you play showdown, you fill your opponent's board, and then you prismatic beam, and you kill your opponent's board while developing three, three, threes. This specific combo is really powerful. My issue with it is that in the deck building phase. You actually find out that Showdown has no other good utilization. Like, it's really good with Prismatic Beam, but it's not so good with everything else. You can, like, keep her strengthened, but you don't really get much from it because you sack your own stuff. Um, it, It's a weird card, but it's something that you can do. There's some talk of, like, you just play Sea Giant. Because you fill your... This is two mana. You fill your the board with six minions. So it discounts Sea Giant by six. Like, you have four more minions, Sea Giant costs nothing. That's an interesting combo. Is it worth removing the Countess from your deck? I don't know. But it is something. But this is one of those uh, combos, Corb, that I have no idea whether it's actually good or not. It's really hard until you see it live. Um, yeah, I, I think that every, like every showdown deck is a beam deck, but not every beam deck is a showdown deck. Like, Beam can go in other stuff, but Showdown, you have to be, like, building around it specifically in mind. It, it, it's, a, it's a weird card. Like, I really like it. It's, I, think, I think Showdown Showdown might honestly be one of my favorite cards that I've seen in, I don't know, this year. Like, 
I think it's so weird and creates these really weird synergies. Like you said, the sea giant. Um, there's also, I think, some other stuff going on. Like, I don't, I don't want to think of it as having no additional synergy. Like, if you play it with Crusader Aura, for example, like you've already got an aura up, um, it becomes two mana, get three five ones uh, functionally, right? Because you just get to value trade. Two mana, three five ones. I mean, that's pretty good. Uh, or you could, like, trade up potentially if you're fine leaving up the three threes from the opponent. So, I don't know. There's, like, this strange stuff going on there. I love this card. Uh, very flavorful. Very cool. Yeah. I did think about Crusader Aura. But I didn't think that it was that good. Like, like mm. doing that, I'm not sure it's that good to, to like, summon two five one. I guess it's kind of okay. I think Showdown Prismatic Being might be a good fit for, like, Dude Paladin. Where you're already kind of... Your, your deck is already swarmy, and as you said, you already run Crusader Aura. So giving this deck a comeback AoE might be quite interesting. Uh, but obviously, slower decks can also utilize it. I'm just, like, I, I just want to put Showdown in a deck that already kind of want to abuse tokens, want to leverage tokens, and Dude Paladin might be the one that does that. Um, you know, Paladin has this hand package. I think too many people are thinking about building a deck that's like hand paladin rather than looking at the cards individually and saying, oh, is this actually just good by itself? And when I say that, you know, lawful long arm is kind of mid. It doesn't doesn't excite me that much. Yes, it's a five minute one five rush with lifesteal that gains attack based on cards in your hand. It can be 10 attack rush lifesteal. That's kind of good, but it's also a five mana slow card with five health. So it's not that survivable. Or the Badlands Bandit, which is one of the most peculiar legendary spells I've seen. Which is a six mana get eight three two bandits with bonus effects. Again, the same eight ones you, you know. Any that can't fit in your hand are summoned to the board instead. So it's like a massive board card. But it is kind of kind of a weird one, and also mills your mills you mill yourself unless you basically mill yourself because you cannot unless you play a spell. I guess you can play a spell in the same turn, but if you play it on six, you mill yourself and you summon a board. I guess, but the board is not necessarily that sticky. I guess there's divine shield, there's reborn, but other keywords are not sticky. This card's weird. I'm not that excited about it. But Living Horizon is really good. And Living Horizon, you can just play in a deck. Because it's a 10 mana 4-6. Taunt, Divine Shield, costs one less for each other card in your hand. So if you have a full hand, this costs zero? Uh, costs one. It co co costs one because it doesn't discount itself. Costs yeah, one. Yeah. Right, right. It doesn't. So if you have a full hand, it costs one. But if you have like uh, eight cards in hand it's still very good so this card's quite solid and uh, obviously paladin is a highlander class so you've got the highlander payoff the cheapest one which is spirit of the badlands it's a three mana three four undead priest battle cry if your deck has no duplicates get a permanent mirage and the mirage is at the start of your turn it's, it's like a spell in your hand that at the start of your turn, it transforms into a copy of a minion in your deck and it stays in your hand like uh, Svalna Shadow Visions kind of 
spell. Um, so you, you always have a copy of a minion in your deck from it that you can play on a specific turn, and the next turn it refreshes to another minion, um, which is a good value engine. It's not that amazing as a win condition. It's not really provides you with any inevitability. It's kind of a grindy card, weaker than Ristraza, but it's a three mana of three, four. You can just play it turn three and it's going to be active for the rest of the game. Um, so it's okay. I do think this is one of the, this might be the weakest Highlander payoff, but Paladin, Paladin might be one of the best Highlander decks because of Order in the Court. Just because of Order in the Court. Because if you, if you have Reno and cost eight mana and you order in the court, you pretty much have Reno on eight every game. Like, I think that Paladin is going to run order in the court and it's going to put the second order in the court inside an ETC. It's going to always have Reno on eight. And I think that's going to win a lot of games. So, so even though Spirit of the Badland is kind of a, it's not that powerful. I think order makes Reno, like, it's the best. Paladin's going to draw Reno the most often out of every Highlander deck, pretty much. Um, you know, a Druid has tutors. You can play Summer Flower Child. That definitely can increase consistency of Reno. But nothing is as good as Order in the Court. Okay. Priest. Corb, your favorite class. My favorite <laughs> class, too. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Um, Priest got some cool stuff. I really like the bottle cards. The bottle cards are really cool. I think it's really flavorful. Holy Spring Water. I'm not going to say what every, every one of these bottle cards does, but Invasive Shade Leaf, Swarm of Light Bucks. These are all pretty good cards. Um, they're flexible. Uh, they, they represent good value. Um, and they allow you to contest the board and remove stings and heal yourself. It's It's pretty good. These are... These are cards that are quite good, like Invasive Shade Leaf specifically. You think about it, it's 4 mana deal 8 damage to an enemy minion, which is not too efficient. But you save any excess in a 1-cost bottle. So let's say you have kind of a 4-4 four -four in play. Like your opponent just played a t school teacher, right? And yeah, for 4 mana, killing a school teacher is not that efficient. But you get a 1-mana spell that deals 4 damage after you do this. And the, that, that is really good. Right? So you never waste damage. Cards that never waste damage are usually really good. And I'm a big fan of them. For example, Fandehammer and Demon Hunter that we just talked about is a card that doesn't waste its damage. Everything, like if it doesn't go to a minion, it goes face. So those cards are usually C play and are very good. You think Explosive Runes is a secret in, in Mage. Those cards that don't waste their max efficiency are, I really like them. Um, there's some grief cards as well. And priest, um, benevolent banker, I think is a really good card, and a lot of priest decks are gonna play it, both fast ones and slow ones. It's a three mana two four that cast thrive in the shadows, three mana two four thrive in the shadows. But if you quick draw it, you pull a spell from your opponent's deck, and you pull it, it's gone. So Corb, turn eight, turn eight, you play. Creation Protocol. And you get this. And you quick draw two of your opponent's spell. That's gross. Yeah, it's turn eight. But that's pretty gross, I think. Uh, 
as a disruption tool is very powerful and it's also a disruption tool for spells rather than minions which priest already has with rat so you can rat your opponent's minions you can rat your opponent's spells with banker lovely 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 stuff i'm loving it i feel ill i feel absolutely disgusted yeah. right now <laughs> yeah yeah now okay so uh initially i looked at tram heist four mana spell get a copy of each card your opponent played last turn and i thought oh, this is plagiarize for four mana this is awful right but then they revealed Reno, and I'm like, <laughs> "Oh, <laughs> is Highland the Priest is gonna play this just to get your opponent's Reno?" Uh, this card seems bad, but like I wouldn't be surprised. I would just, just I don't know. Um, yeah, um, Thirsty Drifter is another standout for me. Uh, it's a six mana four six with Taunt that costs less. One less for each one cost card you play this game. I think this card can be rapidly discounted. And then we've got the Highlander Pelf, which I'm not sure about. Uh, uh, at least the Badland Savior is an 8 mana 5 5. That the Battlecry, if your deck has no duplicates, summon 4 4 copies of 4 uh, random minions in your deck. Like, you can think of it as okay, I'm just going to play 8 mana stat bomb and I'm not going to care about that much. Or I'm going to curate my minion package in my deck to be really, really powerful with Elise. Like, for example, you play you play a small minion package of, like, uh, Amanthul, Yogg, uh, Blackwater Behemoth, that kind of stuff. Maybe you play Rivendare Warrider. You play that, that could be a thing with Elise. As you play Rivender Warrider, it dies. You play Elise, it summons the, the horseman. However, then they revealed Reno, and then I'm, I've become not sure about it. Because Reno ruins everything. Uh, but yeah, this is kind of expensive, I think, as a Highlander payoff. And I'm not sure you can really leverage it as well as you could. Like, you might be able to in theory. Reno ruins everything. I think that's the title of the first episode once this expansion comes out. Pretty much, I, I suspect it. <laughs> um, I strongly suspect that Reno is going to be a be a problem. We'll talk about Reno later when we get to the neutral set, but I think Priest set is kind of cool. It's pretty good. I think there's some solid cards there. I love the bottles. The bottles are my favorite part. The bottles have been a little divisive from what I can tell, but I think talking about like how cards aren't wasted is a really good point. Um, the one thing I did want to mention was about Springwater was the synergy it has with the the injured 1-3. The uh, one mana 1-3, your next healing does damage instead. That's kind of a little synergy I just wanted to throw out there to the world. Two, like, play the 1-3 and then all of a sudden this is like a 2-mana deal 8? Uh, maybe. In a non-shadow aggro priest. Yeah. There's some, there's, some, there's some thoughts to making like an OTK uh, priest with Kvaldir. I'm not sure about it because uh, I don't think the deck has enough mana and I don't think that deck has enough damage, quite enough damage to deal consistent OTK. Maybe it's a burst package. It's something to think about. I'm not writing that off. You can do some cute things with Pip the Potent. Uh, but 
I'm not sure it has quite the reach. Like usually if you're looking at OTK decks, high lethality OTK decks, you need to do like 40 damage, right? You need to do 40 damage. This deck doesn't quite do even 30 damage. Uh, so I'm less sure about it. Uh, Rogue. Rogue's got some uh, some cool stuff. Really interesting stuff. I got to reveal it on Vicious Syndicate on the website. Um, there's two things that stand out to me. One is the excavate package. Rogue is going to excavate like hell. Like they're going <laughs> to like drilly the kid. Oh, that card. That card is just going to add like five treasures to your hand in one turn sometimes because uh, um, four mana, four, three, mech, battle cry, quick draw, and death rattle, excavate a treasure. So my thinking is, for example, turn six, you prep pit stop, get drilly, play it, shadow step it. That's five treasures. You're not going to do this every game. But the point is that Drilly is just going to make Rogue excavate so quickly. And the other excavate card of Rogue is also pretty good. The weapon, the 1-3 weapon with a death rattle, excavate a treasure. That card's pretty good. Uh, just as a standalone card, uh, you play it turn one, you basically save mana on your dagger, you eventually get a good treasure and you set up... Uh, you can set up uh, Antique Flinger on turn four quite easily with it and Cobalt Miner. Uh, Antique Flinger is really good. Four mana, five, four. Pretty aggressive stat line. If you've excavated twice, destroy an enemy minion. So this is bounceable, but this is also just a, a better Vile Spine Slayer. Uh, this card's really good. Really good secondary payoff for excavating. And since Rogue excavates so quickly, People were always wondering what's going to happen with the payoff. Like, what is going to be the treasure? And the rogue treasure is the only one where it truly is powerful only after you've excavated eight times. Um, because if it wasn't like that, then rogue would probably be insanely broken, right? Because you can, you can just uh, just get so many game-winning treasures so easily with drilly and and that stuff. And the treasure is the Azerite Scorpion. Which is a battle cry add four random spells. If you've excavated eight times, they cause zero. So here's what's gonna happen. You're gonna excavate, you're gonna get Azerite Scorpion, you're not gonna play it. You're gonna wait until you excavate eight times. You get two scorpions and then you play it. Because the card reads: if you've excavated eight times, they cause zero. The treasures is are the same. The first one and the second one that you get are the same. They only check for how many times you've excavated. They don't check if you've already played the, the tier 4 treasure once. So you can save two of them and then play it. And this has potential. This is like a directed yog, right? Uh, where it's a yog where you get to choose where the spells attack and whether to play them this turn or not. Uh, so that's powerful. And you could bounce it. There's some breakdance potential. There's also some stuff you can do with it. I think Rogue is going to be a fantastic Excavate class just because it's going to do it so quickly. And even though the, the Tier 4 treasure is kind of delayed, you have to remember every time you Excavate, you get a high-quality card. right? You get a good card. 
a, a, a card that's much better than a constructed card. So I think Rogue is going to be powerful uh, through excavating. But then there's the other thing that I really love, which is the coin package. Uh, the irony is the best coin generator is actually a neutral, which is Greedy Partner. You're going to see a lot of that card in multiple decks. But there's also Dart Throw and Bounty Wrangler that give you coin. And then there's Wishing Well, one of my favorite cards in the set. The 5 mana 0-7, after you play a coin, get a random legendary minion from another class and set its cost to 1. This card is super flavorful and it seems so, so fun. It, it works kind of like Countess, but uh, obviously it's different because it's completely random. You don't get to control what you generate, but you can do it much earlier. And it's kind of a payoff. Maybe you play like a Miracle Rogue deck. But instead of Draka, Sinstone, Graveyard kind of stuff, you do Wishing Well stuff and then you play Tess Grayman. Right? You play Wishing Well, you throw some coins into the Wishing Well, you generate some bunch of legendaries, you play them. Let's say the opponent deals with them. You play Tess Grayman, it resummons all those legendaries. So that's kind of something that could be really interesting in Rogue. Those are the two things that I really, really like about the, the class. Less so the Burgle stuff. The full burger. Never go for a burger, uh, Corb. I, I don't think you go for a full burger. I think you can go some burger, but going full burger, I'm not sure about. It makes me kind of doubtful about Velorock, which is a really cool card, but it's kind of hard to activate. I don't know. Yeah. We'll try it. Yeah. The, uh, the Rogue Excavate deck, I think, is going to be the most fun Excavate deck uh that is my early well obviously that's very subjective but i think like people are really gonna like it and it's gonna you know be have a high play rate and stuff i i think driller the kid is gonna be super fun i think that the vibe that i'm getting from this is very galakrond um obviously treasures are different than lackeys but in terms of the card generation the ability for rogue to bounce it even the actual reward right the azurite scorpion get a whole bunch of spells that cost zero it's actually quite similar in some ways to the Galakron reward in Rogue. Obviously, that was discounting minions to zero um, from your deck. But in terms of creating this big tempo swing payoff, get a whole bunch of stuff, keep playing them, it's quite similar Like where, where you look at that through line. So I think this is going to be great because Rogue is going to be class that plays the most treasures, and playing treasures is going to be the most fun thing about the Excavate decks, right? It's going to be very frustrating if you're playing an Excavate deck and you just can't get any excavates or it feels too bad to, to try and play them <coughs> one, mage. <coughs> um, yeah mage like i'm comparing like the one mana weapon to the two mana spell in mage right like this is a one mana oh weapon my God. and it, the, the two mana spell is this like so over costed like relatively so yes but if they went play listen listen no but the cryopreservation it counters blood rock shovel because you play this you play the weapon on turn one and then cryo freezes your face and you cannot attack with the weapon so your treasure generation is delayed by a full turn corp it is an absolute counter what what if i just hit the hero power and dagger up yeah yeah don't don't don't, don't mention that don't mention oh okay 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 uh, <laughs> this is this is high level play this is high mmr stuff <laughs> this is high mmr stuff this is not yeah I can't give can't give all the can't give all the secrets about how to play around excavate maze just yet. Yeah, I think that, like the thing is, I think it's gonna change about rogue playing rogue. You're still gonna run concoctions, but you're gonna pick draw concoction far less. 
because your hand is going to be bloated by treasures with this deck. Like, if you're going to excavate route and you're playing concoctions, I feel like you're going to be looking for summon concoctions or uh, hazy concoctions uh, more often than the draw uh, because you're just going to swim in treasures uh, as a rogue. Uh, that's that's my impression. Uh, but yeah, Rogue looks really cool. It's a really cool set. It looks like a really fun set. It promotes you in different directions. I'm just hoping you play Wishing Well rather than Sinstone Graveyard Draka. If mm-hmm. that ends up being the thing, if you end up being Drakaing people, I'm less excited about that. Uh, but Wishing Well could be really, really cool. Okay. Shaman. Um... Uh, the Shaman set has, it, it's a bit bit of a weird one or something that I'm sus about mostly is the elemental package. It's not that the elementals are not good. It's just that this strikes me as a deck that's going to be super low skill cap, Corb. This is like, you basically... Uh, uh, it, it's about Scar, right? Scar the Catastrophe, uh, which is a 7 mana 7 7 battle cry, deal 1 damage to all enemies, and it's improved by each turn in a row you played an elemental. Basically, you have to play an elemental every turn. If you miss a single turn not playing an elemental, then Scar resets. So, Scar's potential is massive. This is Mordrish, right? This is 7 mana Mordrish. Sometimes it's going to deal even more damage than Mordrish. This card is powerful. But for this card to be powerful, you need to play an elemental every turn. So your deck pretty much needs to be full elementals, all elementals, very few cards that are not elementals. And you just need to keep chaining it, then get to Scar and kind of end the game with it. Um, and the problem with that is that your deck is very one-dimensional extremely one-dimensional you do have comeback mechanics i do like the two elemental cards that they printed the set uh which give you rush and a lot of ways to react to an opponent's board but your deck is still extremely telegraphed and again if you miss one turn like your win condition just gets reset and it's so debilitating if scar is reset ever uh so i'm not sure about it because it's just so telegraphed and strikes me as a deck like the wrong kind of tribal deck that's very predictable. I will say that I thought Mecro would be that deck too, and it ended up being far more elaborate and far more skill testing than I thought. It's not the most skill testing deck in the format, but let's say Mecro is even slightly above average in the current meta compared to other tribal decks that are like fall off super hard at top legend. Mecro did not turn out that way, but Elemental Shaman does seem to be that deck. So I'm doubling down. I think this deck is going to be what I thought Mecro was going to be. Um, it does have some power, but again, it's very telegraphed. Now, the other part of the Shaman set is mostly like good cards. There's some stuff, especially in the neutral set, that I think could support Nature Shaman too. Uh, like Cactus Cutter is a really good card for any kind of archetype. The Shaman Highlander payoff, I'm not sure about. 
It's pretty slow. It's a five mana four five. Doctor Holiday. Battlecry. If your deck has no duplicates equipped, the Staff of the Nine Frogs. And what the Staff of the Nine Frog does, it's a two nine weapon. Two nine. Every time you attack with your hero, you summon a one one frog with taunt, and it improves. Like each frog is bigger. So the first frog is a one one taunt. The second frog is a two two taunt. And then you have the ninth frog, which is a 9-9 taunt. The problem is, if you play Dr. Holiday exactly on turn 5, the, the big frogs are like turn 10, 11, 12, 13. Corp, that's very late in the game. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure about how impactful this is. Like, how game-winning this is. It definitely doesn't win the game by itself. And it's like the biggest impact of the card is so slow that it's not going to matter in most games. So I'm really not sure about it. And I'm not going to mention Viper because saying that a card is going to be bad because of a tech card is always silly. It never works out that way. I remember when people say Lightforge Carriel is not going to be that great because of Viper. Uh, so I'm not going to say it's because of Viper, but because it's slow. So I'm not sure about it. What do you think about Dr. Holiday, Corb? I, I'm actually quite high on the Doctor. Um, I think he's very solid. Uh, like, I, I think that because it has the capability of going to nine frogs, it's easy to think about like, oh, but we're never going to get to nine frogs. And it's like, yeah, that's probably true. But, you know, five mana, four, five, get a two mana, wep uh, a two attack weapon and a one mana taunt. That's not such a bad tempo play by itself. It's not amazing but it's not the worst thing in the world. And then from there on out, you're just swinging every turn, getting a 2-2 two, two taunt, a 3-3 three, three taunt, a 4-4 four, four taunt. Um, and if that's kind of like the average game length, that's still pretty decent, right? Like five mana for that much tempo swing over the next few turns. It kind of, you know, reminds me of like the Titan in Hunter, where you just get the 3-3 three, three taunts every turn. Um, obviously the Titan is a little bit bigger coming out a turn later and it's a bit more threatening itself, but that chip damage, that chip tempo swing, and then constantly just being able to build up those taunts, um, I think it's actually very strong. Uh, I think I think people in general are probably just underrating it because of the the you know just thinking about what it can't do consistently rather than focusing on look how many frogs do you really need for this to be solid and even on the turn you play it it's not that bad either. That is true. Maybe I should look at it as this is a two nine weapon. That's a lot of chip damage. And yeah, even if it gets to five frogs, it's pretty good. I guess. Maybe we should look at it that way. I mean, it's obviously a good card. It's a Highlander payoff. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, compared to other Highlander payoffs, I'm not sure where it sits. I kind of want to run Prescience and just draw this very consistently. That's the thing. Because if you draw Dr. Holiday, this is part of what makes me a little bit reluctant to get behind this card. It's mostly because a lot of the other Highlander payoffs have immediate impact, full impact. Once they're drawn, you can play them. Bam. Right? Dr. Holiday is a card. I'm trying to think what happens when I draw this card on turn 8. Right? So on turn 5, it's really... I can, I can accept that this card is really good on turn 5. But the difference between a turn 9 Holiday versus a turn 9 Theldurin. Right? If I draw Theldurin as a Hunter on turn 9, I'm not upset. But if I draw Holiday on turn 9, I'm kind of upset. Because it's very late. And the game is kind of already going to 
over. So I'm wondering if Shaman wants to just draw this always on turn five with prescience. Obviously, you can only run one prescience, but the idea is you still kind of double the chances of you finding Holiday and give up the early game minions, which I don't think are important. Uh, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking um, about it. So if if you can consistently get Holiday on turn five, I can get behind the card, but this card falls off late game. That's my issue. It's a Highland payoff that falls off late game because it just takes a lot of time to ramp up. I will say that out of all the Shaman cards, my favorite one is Walking Mountain. <laughs> the 9 mana 416 Rush Lifesteal Mega Wind Fury. It attacks four times a turn. Overload 2. It's so cracked. It's an elemental. It's obviously not going to be played in elemental Shaman. This is a card I want to play, Corb. This is a card I want to make work. I'm not sure how possible it is. You can't really cheat it out very easily. Um, I'm not sure you can cheat it out at all. Ah, I guess there's Thunderbringer. That's pretty much it. I want to play Thunderbringer Shaman. That's all I'm going to say. Zach, what, what this card taught me is that I don't see the words Mega Wind Fury enough in my life day to day. Yeah, we need, we need a Mega Wind Fury charge. I'm sure that's going to be okay. Give it to a class that can't really abuse it super hard, like, I don't know, Rogue, for example. Just, just yeah. Um, yeah, so Shaman, Elemental's okay. Highlander might be good. We'll see how to leverage Highlander Shaman best. I think Nature Shaman has some potential. You'll see it when the Theorycrafting article comes out. Why well, I think Nature Shaman has some stuff that it can do with Snake Oils, for example, uh, can increase the reach and damage of the deck. Warlock. Oh boy, Corb. I'm going to say it immediately. I think Warlock's Excavate Treasure, Tier 4 Treasure, is the best one. That, that treasure is insane. That treasure is so good. Like, I, I, let, let's explain why it's good. The Azerite Snake, 4 mana, 5, 5, Battle Cry. Your hero steals 10 health from the enemy hero. So... You gain health like Vampiric Blood, right? And your opponent's max life is reduced by 10. So if they started at 30 life, let's say they're at 25 life, their max has like 30 life. You play as a right snake. Their, their health is now 15 and their max health is 20. They cannot heal above 20 after you play the as a right snake. So, if you play, theoretically, three Azerite snakes, they're dead. Unless they're like Renathal, which means they're almost completely dead, or they play Blood Control Death Knight themselves. Um, or they play the Azerite snake themselves. Like, this card, this is the most significant win condition of a, of a Tier 4 treasure. This is a treasure that says, oh, this is inevitability. This treasure makes me want to play Brewmaster to bounce it and replay it. It makes me want to play Zola to copy it. Because if you play it three times, they're dead. You can play against a control warrior with 40 armor. But if their max life is zero, they die. Armor does not matter at all when it comes to the Azerite Snake. 
So this treasure feels very, very strong. And I think that out of all the treasures that are available to excavate classes, the Azerite Snake is going to be the one where you build an entire deck around. Where it's just, this is the win condition. You don't need another win condition. Maybe you play Sargeras because it's Sargeras. But you just excavate, you get this, and you try to replay it as many times as possible, I think could potentially be a successful strategy. Yeah, the um, the snake is so, so damn good. Um, and like you said, it, it is the one that is the... Um, you know, like less tempo focus, like tempo swing focus, and much more, more of a uh, direct build around um, uh, that kind of payoff. So I don't know. I think it's awesome. Um, like it's it's the only one that I like. You know, I, I try not to do too much wild talk, but it's the only one that I've even thought about really in wild because, like you said, it's an actual win condition. Like you can try and you know gear your deck more towards it. So really like it. Um, I, I like I said, I think people are really going to enjoy the the rogue excavate stuff a ton but i think warlock might be right there in terms of the potential competitive uh competitive side of things for sure yeah i mean all the treasures are strong obviously strong but a lot of them you can't really build around like the mage one you can't really build around it it's just a good like stat bomb uh the death Knight you can kind of build around the rogue one you can kind of build around but it's not really guaranteed to end the game this card, if you build around it, it ends the game. So that's 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 strong late game inevitability for Warlock. He's really powerful win condition. But you know what? It's not the only win condition for Warlock. Uh, this set because there's the Sludge package, and the Sludge package you can look at it in two ways. You can you can think about a beatdown deck that just you know. You put Sludge in the bottom of your deck with Disposal Assistant and Sludge on Wheels. And then you play Waste Removal. Waste Removal, 4-mana, 7-7. Seven, seven. At the end of your turn, destroy the bottom three cards of your deck. Sludges, uh, Toxic Sludges, uh, Barrel of Sludges. When they're destroyed, they get cast. So you play Waste Removal on turn 4. And you have three of these uh, barrel sludges being cast and they bomb the opponent's face or their minions or something like that. You can think of it as a pure beatdown deck that just curves out, uh, plays Forge of Wills with a couple of four mana seven sevens. You have more than one now. So Forge of Wills is pretty consistent uh, on curve into a turn four, waste removal or Anubisoth, uh, imposing Anubisoth. Or maybe you play uh, Yimmer Jar, the 5-mana 7-7 seven, seven with Rush that discards cards. That could also be a target for Forge of Wills. So you can think about it like a soft discard deck, but very beatdown heavy. Runs things like Trolley Problem, which is another really good card. 3-mana uh, spell that discards your lowest cost spell. That could be a sludge, uh, 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 a barrel of sludge. And summons 2-3-3 three, three with Rush, which is really good. Like, it's a lot of stats. So you can think beatdown style, right? But there's another way to look at it, which is the OTK route. There is actually potential for Warlock to produce a new OTK deck. And the way that this works is you play Sludge and Wheels and Disposal Assistant. You try to fill your the bottom of your deck with as many barrels of sludges as possible. You can fill it with a lot. There's potential for that. 
And then you play Silvermoon Arcanist Steam Cleaner. That's what you do. You can also sometimes play Silvermoon Arcanist, Crescendo, to clear an opponent's board, and Steam Cleaner. Turn 10. And the reason why Crescendo is good is because you clear the opponent's board, so does the barrel of sludges don't, don't hit the board. They hit the opponent's face. This can be a lot of damage. This can genuinely be an OTK. There's all sorts of uh, ideas that people come up with. I think that the combo needs to be as straightforward as possible and easy to execute. And a three-card combo where you just play Civil Monarchist, Crescendo, Steam Cleaner is a clean combo. This is a realistic combo where you don't need to play 20 billion cards, right? Uh, I think that could be a real direction uh, for the archetype. And I did devise a list that I really, really like, and I'm excited to try it out. So Warlock, I think one of the best sets, but definitely up there. Uh, you look at the uh, Tram Conductor Jerry, or is it Gary? Uh, Jerry? I don't know. That's what I'm going with. Anyway, it's a 7-mount 4-4. Uh, if you've excavated twice, summon six Tram cards with Rush. This is... Uh, wh what was that card? The Soul card. Oh, oh God. Uh, I feel like it began with an M or something. I, I, I don't know. Militia? I Militia? Oh, that sounds let familiar. Me, me, yeah, I'll claim that. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Let me, let me, let me, let me remember what, what the name of the card was. It's a sociologist militia. Oh, militia. So I remembered her, her name. I got it. I got it. Anyway, this card is nuts. Like, like you just excavate twice and you get a seven mana insane board with rush that just clears everything. I mean, this, this warlock set is really nutty. Everything seems exciting. Um, whether you go Excavate right, whether you go Sludge Rot, whether you go Beatdown style, whether you go OTK style, I see so much potential. I think this is one of the best sets. It's really cool. It's really exciting. And yeah, there's a lot to look forward to when it comes oh, to World. Zach, we have to agree on something again. This is very frustrating because um, I'm right there with you. This was the other standout to me along with Druid, uh, like the big two, I think. Um, the cards are just very cool and they kind of give you a lot of, um, you know, a lot of like sandboxy tools. Like you can cut, like you have your toys and you can play with them however you want. Like I think there's a lot of different archetypes and different ways to synergize with the stuff. So I think it's really, really exciting. Um, didn't really mention Furnace Fuel, which I'm interested about because I think that card could be very, very strong as well. Yeah, because you're a wild player, so of course. Maybe, mm, yeah, maybe yeah, that's it. <laughs> everything that everything that gets when it gets discarded becomes active is something that a wild player would want because there's tons of discard mechanics in wild. So a card like Furnace Field uh, looks exciting. Um, it, it can definitely see, still see play in standard in like a discard heavy beatdown deck. Uh, can definitely be something that is utilized. And uh, and pop the putrid, pop gar, pop jar. The putrid is also a card that's really cool with crescendo. This is another reason why I really like uh, it, it, combining the fatigue package with the sludge package with the barrel sludge package because of this legendary. And yeah, uh, it's just like, warlock is nuts. I think the warlock is definitely one of the best sets, and in multiple directions, and it's very evocative. Uh, you were trying to find the word for it. I think the word is evocative, where it just gives you a lot of ideas on what to do. 
Okay. Warrior. Um, Warrior. Well, I'm going to say I like the Warrior set because it makes me want to believe in Black Rock and Roll again. <laughs> oh, not again. Not again. We're Zach. doing it again. No. Listen, listen. Listen, Blastoise. Listen, look at Blastoise. Look at this card. Six mana, two, seven taunt. Battlecry, deal damage to all the mini minions equal to this minion's attack. So if you play Black Rock and Roll, this has eight attack. So it's a board clear. So Black Rock and Roll Warrior gets a board clear. It didn't have this before, Corb. So this makes it stronger. So we believe. No, Zach, I've always been a Charizard fan. I, I just can't quite get there with this turtle. Or tortoise, I suppose. <laughs> it's a tortoise. Yeah, it's not a turtle, but it's it's a Blastoise. It's a Blastoise. And uh, anyone who knows anything about Blastoise knows that Blastoise is a badass. And Black Rock and Roll, let's go. Now, there's another, obviously, direction, which is just playing a taunt deck. Uh, Battle Pickaxe uh, is, is a very interesting card. It's a three mana four one weapon four one. After you play a taunt minion, gain one durability. So you play this, you equip this, then you start playing taunts, and you increase durability. And basically, you can, if you play in a taunt heavy deck, you can just have infinite damage with this. Like you just hit your opponent's face for four every turn. And I think that is important because if you're building taunt warrior, then this deck is very minion dense. You have a lot of hand buffs, right? Uh, uh, unlucky Powder Man is a really powerful card. It's a two mana two two with Taunt and Death Rattle. Give Taunt minions in your hand and deck plus one plus one. It's kind of a Keleseth for Taunts. It's very powerful and it's not a legendary. You can draw it very consistently. Uh, so you're encouraged to run a lot of Taunts and a lot of minions, which means that you're weak to removal. Which means that a weapon that can go over the top and just keep pounding the opponent's face is very valuable. So I do like that combination of, of things. Um, obviously, that deck would really like to play Blast Tortoise. Would love to play Blastoise. One of my favorite cards of the set, of this expansion. Uh, and it works in multiple archetypes. Though it is stronger than Black Arc and Roll Corp. I'm just saying. All right, all uh, right. I'm listening. But, sure. but yeah. Like this taunt, this taunt stuff is 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 pretty cool. Uh, now, there's the other half of the packet, half of the set, which is mostly uh, concerned with excavates, and I do think that Warrior got one of the worst excavate cards <laughs> in this expansion. It's definitely up there with Cryo, uh, which is Blast Charge, uh, destroy a damaged enemy minion, and it costs three mana. Why does it cost three? It it's cost. It's a three mana execute that excavates. It's like so, a, it's like a okay. two mana. It's like a two mana cost on the treasure. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, first of all, execute is in the format and it doesn't see play at one mana. But let's say let's accept that excavate is a fair like execute is is fairly costed because if it costs zero mana, maybe it would be too good. But one mana execute fine. Why does this cost three? Why are we penalizing this card by two mana just for excavating? This is even worsely costed. This is actually worse than Cryo. Cryo is playable. This is worse than Cryo. Cryo is actually playable. If there's no minion in play, you just point face. You just freeze the opponent's face and you get a treasure. Here, 
You need a damaged enemy minion just to excavate. Oh god, this is so painful. Like, honestly, if Blast Charge was 2 mana, I think it would still suck. Like, this card is so unbelievably bad. You can reduce the cost of this card by 2 mana. And it wouldn't mean make, oh, this is broken. Like, a 1 mana, is a 1 mana Blast Charge is honestly too good? Are, are we really underestimating the treasures? I don't think Blast Charge at 1 mana is too good. Yeah, I mean, I think the I, I think based on everything that we've seen from the other classes, I mean, at two, I think it's still too weak. So, I, I'm not like I'm. I'm pretty sure, like Warrior is gonna be the only class that just skips an excavate card. Like, I don't want to run this. Like, I would rather uh, uh, find my excavate treasure, the Azerite Ox. The the thing about the Azerite Ox is that it's pretty good. Like the Hawk is in Mage, right? It's not really a win condition, but it's a big stat bomb, right? You play a 4-mana 5-5, five five, you discover two 8-cost minions, and you summon them. So it's a big stat bomb. It can definitely end games. But it's not... It's not the snake, right? It's not the snake. It's not even the scorpion, I would say. It's a good stat bomb, but it's not worth eight excavating, running 8 excavate cards, especially when one of them is Blast Charge. I am not running this card. Blizzard, buff it to one mana. I <laughs> like I'm I'm not even kidding. This card is so bad. It's so bad. The worst thing about it, again, is is I don't know if it's the worst thing. The worst thing about it is that it's cost three mana. But the other thing that's really bad about it is that you literally cannot play it if your opponent doesn't represent you a minion that you can damage. So you need to spend mana on the damage, and you need to. Oh, I hate this card. It's like, the worst part about it is the mana cost, but the other worst part about it is what it says. Yeah, that's everything. <laughs> is there a single good thing about it? There's nothing good about it. It's awful. The only good thing about it is that, oh, it's not even, okay. It doesn't even have a spell school. It's completely useless. Is this, is this Dr. Is this a Dr. Boom scheme? Is this, this comparison? Honestly, it's scheme level. This is Dr. Boom's key. This is card is, is insulting. This card's cost is insulting. Honestly, one mana blast shard wouldn't be broken. This is how bad this card is. Like this, this like why does Warrior get obviously bloated mana cost on its cards in recent expansions? You look at the Rift package, the Rift package, now you get this. What is going on here? They'll they'll all get buffed in four weeks, Zach. It's fine. We just have to skip to that part of the expansion. <laughs> yeah, Warrior like has a second launch of the expansion where his cards gets buffed. Every single time. <laughs> Every time. It's unbelievable. Now, the other excavate card is not bad. Reinforced plating. Like, okay, you have heavy plate, three mana, eight armor, right? This card, reinforced plating, three mana, six armor, and excavate a treasure. This card looks good. Why is this card paying two armor to excavate a treasure? And Blast Charge pays two additional mana to excavate a treasure. I don't care. I, I, don't, I don't get it. Two armor versus two mana? Something's not right here. How are these cards costed the same? Like, how does this happen? Crazy to me. I mean, plating is not great, right? But when you put it next to Blast Charge... Oh, anything looks good like next to Blast Charge. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, man. Uh. Okay. Okay, there's the other secondary warrior payoff, which is also kind of funny. Slagma the Slumbering. 
It's a 4-mana 16-16. It has Rush and Taunt. It's dormant for 8 turns. But if you excavate to... If you excavate, you awaken it 2 turns sooner. So let's say it's dormant for 8 turns. You excavate 6 turns now. So you can you can rush it a bit with excavation. But I don't want to play Blast Charge. So this card's done. <laughs> this card's not going to see play. I, I'm seeing people like really crap on this card. And like... It's good, I think. Um, like, I get it if you just think Blast Shard sucks and so, like, this isn't playable, then sure. But I actually think this is very, very good if they just made actual playable Excavate stuff. You think this is good? I mean, what happens if you draw it late, later in the game and you've already excavated quite a bit? Eh, I mean, uh, there, there are lots of cards that, like, just don't scale well into the late game. Like, I get it. Like, that's a, it's a very sort of obvious... You know, reason why it was 1616 that doesn't scale well into the late game. I think this card's unplayable, even if excavates are good. <laughs> I don't think this card's good, but okay. But it, it is like extremely bad in the late game, but it's extremely good in the mid game if you manage to excavate a couple times. Uh, I think I think that's the thing is that I'm picturing this as like you know, if it pops up on turn eight, like that's a 1616 rush taunt, you know, that's crazy. If it pops up on turn eight. I'm not even that that bothered by it. It's a 16-16. How are you not bothered by it? It's huge. On turn eight, on turn eight, literally everyone has removal for it. Like Mage has uh, uh, Reverb. Uh, a Priest has Lighted Burns. Warriors got Shield Slam, Blade Storm, whatever. Like everybody's got to wait. Rogue has single target removal. Like on turn eight, everybody's going to have an answer to this. Like you played on turn four. Let's say you excavate twice. It's not even going to wake up on turn 8. Like, even if you play on turn 4, think about it. You play on turn 4, you excavate twice. And it still has 4 turns to go. <laughs> like, this card is incredibly slow. And if you top deck like in, later in the game, it's just completely dead. I don't think this card's playable. Even if Blast Starter was 1 mana, this card's not playable. Yeah, I mean, I think fundamentally... I think we agree on Excavate Warrior as a whole. And that's the important part. No, I don't agree on everything. I think the no? best... I think they actually have a good Excavate card, which is the Badlands Brawler. I think that card's really good. Oh, I forgot about that card. Yeah. Yeah, 7 mana, 4-4. Four, four. Battlecry, start a brawl. If you've excavated twice, this always wins. It's a Soul Stealer. You play it, and your opponent's board dies, and this card stays stays alive this card's really good this card is much better payoff for excavation this card makes me actually want to play excavate cards in my warrior just to have this badlands brawler which is also a really cool flavorful card uh beyond that but yeah this card's powerful i think if warrior plays excavation it's going to be because of brawler rather than anything else uh, yeah and then you got the Boomboss uh, Thogrun. This is a card that people went crazy for, or it has a really neat effect. It's an 8-mana 7-7. Seven, seven. Battlecry shuffle three TNTs into your deck. When drawn, blow up a card in the enemy hand, deck, and battlefield. Card means it can destroy a spell in hand or deck, and it can also destroy locations on the board. So... But it's horribly slow. Like, this is patchwork, but no immediate impact. And you shuffle the cards into your deck 
and they get drawn whenever, who knows when. Um, compare this to Odin. I think Odin ends the game faster. <laughs> um, I think that's a, a fair assessment, I would say. Yeah, a fair assessment that if you play this or play Odin, I think we know what the answer is. What is the better card? Uh, I don't think you ever play this in Odin because Odin doesn't aim to... Like, imagine you play Chorus Riff and you draw this. I think you're pretty upset. Um, this card looks, for me, looks absolutely terrible. But people are going to play it because it destroys cards in the opponent's hand and people really dig that. Uh, so the Warrior set basically comes down to maybe there's a Tribal Taunt that that works. Maybe Black Rock and Roll. Who am I kidding? It's not going to work, but let me have this. Let, let me have this. Let me have this. And maybe we excavate a bit in Warrior. Maybe Odin Warrior puts some excavate cards into its build in order to have Badlands Brawler, which I really like. But maybe it passes completely on that. I can also see that. The Warrior set is kind of mid. I'm not too excited about it. It's got some cool stuff and it has potential. I think the buff cards might be underestimated. And when they when the game goes live, they might look more insane than they currently do. I think buff cards tend to do that. Uh, but yeah, Warrior, not one of the best sets, but I don't think it's a bad set by any means. Okay, the neutral set. So we're not going to go over the neutral, but what are your standout neutral cards? Or do you want me to start and then you'll fill whatever? I'll, I'll, I'll list a few that, that stand out and then we'll, we'll see where it goes. Um, I mean, I'll save the big one for last because I think every, like we all know what that one is. <laughs> and uh, we'll get to him. Um, the ones that stand out are Greedy Partner, obviously. Uh, two mana, two, three. If you're holding another two-cost card, get a coin. Um, mailbox without downside. This is this is the best neutral, in my opinion. Yeah, it, it's kind of broken. Uh, like, it's not going to be always active, but having no downside like that is really important. Um, I'm going to make sure it's always active, Corb. I don't know about you, but I'm running like 12, 14, two mana, two mana cards in my rogue decks, and this is always going to be active. This card is insane in rogue, but it's also going to be powerful in other decks. It's going to sneak up on you. You'll see in the Theory Crafting article, this card can fit in a lot of different types of decks. And it's nutty. It's a 2-mana two 2-3 two that gives you free mana. Free mana is always good and has a lot of potential to be very ubiquitous. For me, this is a standout neutral, without a doubt. But there are other good ones, too. Yeah, another one that I think is quite solid is Miracle Salesman. Uh, that's the 1-mana two 2-2, two, Death Rattle, get a tradable snake oil. Um, good stats for cost. Uh, <laughs> where the snake oil is also, you know, fairly flexible. Um, where it has had the tradable, but importantly, um, it's a spell that deals damage. So I'm kind of excited about it in a deck potentially like Sif Mage. Um, it's just another way to, you know, just deal some stuff for cheap uh, in that deck. So it, it seems like a very flexible card that could find a home for sure. Also, Nature Shaman. Uh, any kind of deck that utilizes spell damage could uh, utilize uh, Salesman. The only unfortunate part about Snake Oil is that it doesn't have a spell school, but uh, I guess we'll forgive it. Also, Tram Mechanic, which is the one mana two one neutral with the Death Rattle that you get a get a barrel of sludge. This is a way for Rainbow Mage to get a fell spell guaranteed. That is quite interesting. It's gonna be really hard to feed these. Like Rainbow Mage doesn't get much from its own set, 
But these two one mana cards, neutrals, might be something that it's interested in. I'm less sure about the salesman. I actually think Tram Mechanic is more likely to see play in Rainbow Mage. Because I don't think that salesman you actually needed for Rainbow Mage uh, to deal the damage with the OTK of Sif. But for Nature Shaman, it's a godsend. Uh, but yeah, those those one mana neutrals are really good. I do agree. Yeah, uh, I, I've listed two. So why don't you riff? You, you hit me up with one that you like. Dry Scale Deputy. This card is a game changer for some archetypes. Two mana, two, two. The, the next time you draw a spell, get a copy of it. This card is going to see playing a lot of decks. I can see it in Rogue. Relic Demon Hunter could potentially run it. There are other decks that would benefit from copying spells that would appreciate Deputy. I think this card, it's also a Naga. This card is very interesting. This card, Naga Demon Hunter, Miracle Rogue, potentially um, Relic Demon Hunter. There's other stuff too. Uh, this card also, I quite like it. I think it has a lot of potential. Um, if I go up the, the, the mana cost, uh, obviously, I will say, Cattle Rustler Corb is a way to tutor Spirit of the Badlands and Paladin. You can, and play it immediately. It's a 5-mana 3-4. Draw a beast, it costs 3 less. Mm, yep. So, you just play Cattle Rustler, and the only beast in your deck is Spirit of the Badlands. You play Cattle Rustler on 5, you draw the Spirit of the Badlands, you play it immediately. You get... Two, three, fours, and you get the Highlander payoff out of your deck. Uh, so that obviously has potential. I do love the Ogre package. I will try to have at least, in the Theorycrafting article, I will try to have at least one Ogre deck. There is one archetype. I'm not going gonna to spill. There is one archetype that I have an eye or an Ogre package inside it. Um... I'm not sure it's that good, but but I do love the flavor of the Ogre package. It's just a way to make neutrals more interesting. So I really appreciate that design. And yeah, out of like huge standouts, that's kind of it for me. I don't want to go even more, but obviously let's talk about Reno. Yeah, so let's do it. Reno, the Lone Ranger, it's an eight mana hero. Card. It is a neutral hero card, the first ever neutral hero card. Battlecry, if your deck has no duplicates, empty the enemy board and limit it to one minion for a turn. It's high noon. Empty the enemy board. So let's talk about that, Corb. Empty the enemy board means it clears everything. It clears locations. It clears non-interactable bodies. So Sargeras Portal... Reno makes it go away. Purified Dragonest from Ristraza, Reno makes it go away. No matter what you have on the board and how your opponent cannot click on that thing, Reno clears it. It clears everything. In addition to that, it clears your enemy board. It doesn't touch your board. It is an asymmetrical poof. It is a mega poof that only affects your opponent's board. And on top of that, on top of that, your opponent on the next turn can only play, only have board space for one minion. So it cannot even reload very well. So Reno, you wipe your opponent's board, and then the next turn, your opponent can't even reload, so 
on turn nine, let's say you play arena on turn eight. Turn nine, you're free to take over the board yourself. And then the hero powers are, I think, the less important stuff, but all the hero powers are really cracked. They're like every every hero power deals two damage and with a major bonus. So the hero powers are also quite significant. But this effect is so nuts. Like, uh, there's so many things I don't understand about this card. The, 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 my main issue is that it seems to me like Reno is far more powerful than the class Highlander payoff. And I wish the class Highlander payoffs were stronger and Reno was weaker. I think that would make the Highlander decks feel a bit different from each other. And at least in terms of the power or where that power is distributed. I don't understand why Reno... So there's two things about Reno affected... Like, I'll ask a question, Court. If, if Reno only cleared minions, would it be bad? <laughs> would it be not good enough? No, it would not be bad. It would still be very strong. Okay, let's look at it from another angle. If Reno did not limit your opponent to playing just one minion on the next turn, would it be bad? No, it would be very strong. Why is it so broken? This card is so obviously broken. This card is even more broken, more obviously broken than Yogg. Like when I saw Yogg, I said, okay, this card's broken. When I see Reno, I'm like, are you nerfing this on day three of the expansion? This is my thought. Like, it does so many things that I feel like some of them are completely unnecessary. I yeah. think personally, the, the fact that it clears the Dragon Nest from Ristraza, it just feels bad. Like, I'm looking, I'm excited about playing Ristraza, and I know that Reno, like if I queue up into a Highlander mirror, I cannot play Ristraza before they play Reno. I need to force them into Reno in before I can play Ristraza. Uh, it's just so... And Sargeras. Like, I can't play Sargeras until you play your Reno. Uh, it's just so unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like, I don't think we have to talk about how powerful it is too much, but like, I don't have to because it's just so obviously busted. Like, it makes Anduin, the hero card Anduin, look like a piece of garbage. It's, it makes every card look like a piece of garbage. Yeah. Or, I don't <laughs> um, know. This is. And, and so, like, more than just the power level. There's, like, multiple reasons I kind of hate this card. <laughs> and, like, I, I do have a little bit of reputation as, like, a Highlander hater. Um, but there have been lots of Highlander decks that I've liked a lot. Like, my issue with this card is not that it is a Highlander payoff. Far from it. The, the issue that I have is I think that that play experience that you're talking about in terms of, oh, I can't play my reward because they're just going to Reno. And so you get stuck just not playing your card. And then if you're in a mirror, you're just holding the Reno, waiting, not letting them play the reward. Like, I think that is really unfun. Um... And then I, I think the, the board redevelopment denying that is also disgusting. Like, there are so many decks that this is just going to make them skip their turn. Like, it's so nasty, the fact that you get to limit their board redevelopment as well. Like, completely unnecessary. Um, and so, and then the third thing is the fact that it's a neutral, right? So it's like these two fun, unfun aspects that I think are way too overtuned. And then on top of that, you're going to see it everywhere. It's just every every highlighter deck plays it. So it's like multiple things baked in and we just 
did this with Yogg, um, where it was this neutral card that uh, I think that really punished you for playing the game, was kind of like a very unfun thing to play against, um, and just kind of gave this type of card to classes that otherwise should not, quote-unquote, should not have access to this type of card. Uh, so, yeah, I, I hate him. Like, I, I think that he is so overtuned and made in a way that isn't going to be very fun at all. Incredibly frustrated to play against. So, I don't know. It's cracked. It's four stars, five stars, whatever your star system is. It's the max. The card is dumb. I, I just, like, I hate to be negative in an expansion release, but I'm honestly, I've never hated a card more on reveal than Reno. I just feel like this card just doesn't let you play the game. Like, there's, like, the, the element of, like, clearing all non-interactables. Okay, like, Dragoness, it makes you kind of feel bad about Ristraza now and makes you feel bad about playing Sargeras or other stuff like that, other effects uh, similar to that. Why does it limit you to playing one minion the next turn? Like, I'm trying to think, every initiative-focused deck. Oh, they every die. Deck, it's instantly over. Like, every deck that tries to win through leveraging a board lead, like every aggressive deck out there, needs to kill the Highlander deck by turn eight and against Druid, they're going to nourish into this. Or Paladin are going to order in the court. They're going to have Reno on eight every game. So the aggressive deck, basically, if you're playing against a Highlander deck, you basically need to pray they don't have it. Or more, more so, you need to kill them before turn eight. It's as simple as that. Because you cannot play the game. Once they play Reno, you cannot spend a full turn not doing anything. Because for a lot of decks, limiting to them to one board space the next turn means they cannot play the game, right? Like the thing about board clears, the board clears is that the reason why they cost mana is so, yeah, you're removing a lot of resources from your opponent's board, but at least they have a chance to reload. You're not spending eight mana to, uh, uh, I don't know, Whirlpool. You play Whirlpool and that clears the board, but that's it. You spend a turn Whirlpooling. You spend a turn Twisting Nethering. This card doesn't even kill your own minions. You can have minions in play and just play Reno and go face with your board and your opponent cannot even play develop taunts to defend itself. This card is not just defensively cracked. It's also aggressive. You can just play it and just pound your opponent in the head and it makes it very difficult for them to respond. If you have any board and you play Reno, it's also good for you because you don't even clear... You don't clear your board. You only clear your opponent's board. You don't let them play the game for a full turn. I don't know. I think we've gone too far. I think this card is so clearly stupid. Yeah, I I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I, I don't understand it. Like, this card at least take away the things that don't let the opponent play the game from it. And it's still good. Like, if this was an 8-mana asymmetrical poof, that's already good enough, right? If this is just eight mana, clear the opponent, destroy pull all the enemy minions, poof. That's it. It's already good, right? It's already a really good card. It's already a worthy Highlander payoff. I, I would have rather seen that and make the, the, the class Highlander cards better, but I don't understand why we need to crack. The thing, I, I'm going to, you know what's going to happen, Corp? excavate classes there will be at least one excavate class that's gonna play out play a highlander deck without any class highlander payoff 
just because Reno is so broken. That's actually a great point, is that because the, the class Highlander payoffs, they, they, they are the only Highlander payoffs currently in standard, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, there's nothing yeah, else. Yeah, so, so like, it's not like you're missing that much. Like, if you're another class, right, and you're looking over at, I don't know, Priest, and you're saying, is that eight mana release really that good? It's like, what's the difference between me and a priest? Why can't I be a Highlander deck? And then you get to play Reno. Like, I'm sh- I think that's an excellent point that I haven't heard a single person point out. I'm surprised that this is the first time you hear about it because I fully expect, I fully expect people to try to make Highlander Warlock work. Like, imagine you play Reno, you do Sargeras. That's disgusting. That's absolutely disgusting. Uh, like you, you don't need to be a Highlander class to play Reno because Reno is so broken. This is part of the reason why I wish Reno was weaker, and the Highlander payout, uh, the class payoffs were stronger because we're gonna end up with some class uh, that plays Highlander just because Reno is so busted. Uh, and and yeah, I just really I don't like this direction. Uh, I, I have to say it that this card is gonna cause a lot of grief. Uh, I, I think Reno is going to be the most conceded card in the format. Like, people are just going to play Reno and the opponent's going to concede. Like, cards that just make you give up on the game are not good. I think this card's too strong. And this is, like, following a similar pattern of Yogg. But this is worse than Yogg, in my opinion. Uh, because it's going to feel even worse when you play a Highlander deck and they got the one Highlander card that matters, right? Like, imagine you play... Reno Warlock. You're going to play against Reno Warlock. But you're going to play against Reno War- Rogue. And they're going to have this on turn 8. And the game is just over. I I, I, I don't know. Anyway, we, we've been negative enough. I think this card is stupid and needs to go. I, I, I like uh, The fact that I haven't played against it once and I already hate it, I've never really responded this way to a card. Like I just know I'm going to hate this card and it's going to ruin my game. Uh, uh, hopefully... Highlander decks suck. I generally, like, it makes me hope that Highlander decks just suck. That's not the position you want to be in, right? You want to root for everything. Yeah, you want to root for stuff to be viable, but I'm really, really hoping that Reno is, like, maybe 10% of the meta. It's <laughs> never going to happen, but it's probably going to be much higher percentage. But th- the thing is, just the thought of regularly running into this thing where I just cannot play the game for a full turn just makes me annoyed. Uh... Yeah, so hopefully it gets nerfed in the first patch and we, we don't complain about it too much. Uh, I do like the other stuff in the set. I do like a lot of the stuff in this expansion. Uh, I'm just worried that this... Like, it's enough that one card, you know, causes... Uh, causes... Sours the entire thing, so... Yeah, the, the expansion... The expansion kind of reminds me of, like, that Descent of Dragons uh, old, old Doom, Saviors or Old Doom era, where a lot of the Excavate stuff, like, it kind of, like, generation that we saw from, like, the Galakrond era, um, and then we have, we're going back to the Highlander payoffs, it does feel like a little bit of a, a throwback in that regard. Obviously, different mechanics and stuff, but, um, I think people that probably like that era of Hearthstone, uh, a lot, this might be something that really appeals to a ton of people, for sure. I mean, Saviors of Old Doom and Descent of, uh, Dragons were two of my favorite like that was one of the my favorite periods in Hearthstone's history. Like I'm not a huge fan of Highlander decks, but those period except from Doom in the Tomb, right? We don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. We pretend that never happened. Ever. Yeah? But the the first two months of, of Savers of Old Doom and Descent of Dragons and its expansion 
I really love that. I really love those uh, that that kind of design. Uh, and Excavate definitely reminds me of the Galakron uh, cards. Uh, so that's really cool. So that's going to be fun. There's a lot of fun stuff in this set. I think this set is generally very, very well designed. The only thing I would change, well, there were a couple of things. Cryo to one, Blast Charge to one, and Reno to 11. No, if you make it 11, no, 11, it means they can, Druid can play Summer Flower Child and discount it to 10, <laughs> making it playable. So I suggest 14 Mana Corp. Perfect. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so that that's my thought on the, on the set. I hope you you enjoyed our thoughts. Uh, it's been a long podcast, uh, but it's time for me to get back to writing the content. I am spending all day uh, writing the comprehensive preview and setting up the theory crafting article. It's a lot of work. It's a hectic week for me, uh, and I'll go back to it, Cord. Yeah, uh, I mean, I love the the theater crafting article a ton. It's always one of my this favorite things that we get each. It's like tradition at this point um, as a consumer of the VS content, uh, not even as part of the uh, one of the creators here on the pod. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that from you, Zach. Uh, again, a reminder, listeners, the expansion is out on the 14th, uh, so just around the corner. And again, there will be a card design contest as Zach mentioned, for uh, gold uh, members and Patreons. Um, in addition to that, there'll be the, the tournament that Zach outlined at the top of the show with Mobius. So we really hope that you enjoyed this super long episode. We had a lot of thoughts to get through just because we have been on this little bit of a hiatus. But Zach, again, thank you uh, you know, so much for coming back. And I hope the listeners really enjoyed uh today's episode and all the thoughts on all the cards and you know hopefully it's a great time uh like you said once reno goes to 14 mana yeah uh and reminder reminder golden patron subscribers have early access to the decks that i devise in the theory craft for the theory crafting article they can pretty much see the drafts right now uh and in addition to that our in terms of podcast plans our next podcast is going to be after the expansions launch it's going to be first impressions of the expansion. It's going to be probably on the weekend after the expansion launches, uh, either Saturday, Sunday, somewhere around that mark, depending on patches. There might be like a day three patch. I don't know. Depending on that, follow us on Twitter uh, uh, to get an update on when the next podcast is. But just so you know, we're back. We're back. Uh, regularly to regular programming and that is our plan for for the next podcast so when we talk about the uh, um hearthstone next in a podcast it will be about the new meta of uh showdown in the badlands which should be renamed shadow of the badlands because i keep <laughs> kept messing that up but yes uh and if you want to follow that on Twitter, it's at ViciousHS. You can always come join the rest of the community in the Vicious Syndicate Discord. Uh, keep an eye out on all that new content. As always, thank you, Evil Dave, for the podcast transcriptions. Thank you, Stephen Sensei, for the intro and outro. Listeners, hope you have a great one, and we will see you all next time. Bye. The Data Reaper podcast is an official production of Vicious Syndicate. Don't forget to sign up and contribute your game data to improve the quality of the weekly Data Reaper report. 
Instructions are available on our website, along with lots of other weekly content at viciousyndicate.com. Thank you to all of our patrons and data contributors for proving their strength in numbers.